Welcome to the Tin Lounge. Teresa is in Greece this week, so I asked Whitney Schindler to be my guest co-host, and we invited Kate Sullivan to join us for a chat about a seriously hot topic in the industry, team building. We had a plan, but what ended up happening was a very candid conversation between friends. It's a little longer than the usual mini bar, but if you have or have considered building a team, this episode is for you. If you're new here, I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. I won't let you leave without this week's headlines, so stay with me until the end. Whitney Schindler owns Undiscovered Sunsets, is the host of one of our favorite podcasts, Masters in Travel, and she's the creator of the Masters in Travel community and think tank. Whitney and I have collaborated on a few things, including this podcast, and you'll be hearing about our newest project soon. Kate Sullivan owns Anthology Travel, and you've heard me and Teresa mention her many times on the podcast because we're basically fangirls. We admire her cleverness, the way she runs her business, and her general style. So welcome. I want to thank you both for joining me today to chat about team building. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. As revenge travel rages, we are seeing advisors scramble for help. This can look like hiring administrative help and or growing a team of advisors. I have found that many times when someone is looking for an assistant, they are really describing something like a junior travel designer. Kate's strategy was a bit different on the assistant piece, but she has also considered growing her team. Kate, can you tell us a little bit about your strategy around hiring an assistant? Sure. So I knew that I needed help and the variety of things that I needed help with certainly touched on specific trip related things and specific client related things, but also included some overarching things like project management, you know, helping with marketing, helping with client overall client care, gifting, that sort of thing. So I didn't necessarily want to start with someone who is another advisor or someone who is interested in booking travel. I specifically wanted to find someone who was not necessarily looking to get into the industry. You know, obviously an interest in travel and some experience travel, traveling is helpful, but I wasn't specifically looking for, you know, like another travel advisor. And so I went looking for what I termed in the job description as a high level VA slash project manager. And I hired someone amazing and she's, it's really morphed into more of like an operations manager role where she is actually very involved with the clients and the trips and how the trips unfold. And she's doing a lot of research and she's reaching out to clients to get their opinions on things like, you know, restaurants or activities or tours, but she's not wholesale designing the trips at all. Like I'm still the one putting the structure together. I'm still the one with the relationships, both with the clients and the suppliers. I'm the one with the, you know, kind of mental Rolodex of resorts and hotels and DMCs and overall experience shaping. And it's worked out pretty well. What's become obvious pretty quickly over the course of the summer as travel picked up is that we're operating really well together, but that we need a third person to be basically just kind of like a virtual assistant to be the person who like, double checks everything and like calls the hotels and confirms every reservation. And, you know, it's just the person who's kind of like a double check on both Alexandra and I to make sure that all those little pieces are locked down perfectly so that the client doesn't see any friction at all in this very frictiony time. So that's kind of where we are at the moment, but that obviously, you know, my ability to scale and grow the business is still Mm -hmm. kind of limited and hampered by how much I personally can handle on the designing and booking front. So that's kind of where I am right now is like, I've identified this other need. I think there will be a need going forward for some more folks to 
take on a similar role to what I have currently, but I have a lot of questions about how to do that, who to look for, how to make that happen, et cetera. So it, it sounds kind of like Alexandra is almost like a, a high touch white glove concierge type of role. Would you, would you describe her like that? Because she's more, as opposed to a virtual assistant, she's really in touch with your clients and really working on those fine tuning details as their trip gets closer. It feels more like a concierge approach, right? Yeah. Like exactly as you asked them that's to a, do yeah, it. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it and distinguish it. It is very much a concierge role. Um, she, you know, we did a couple of road trips this summer. We did some stuff that was really a little more ad hoc than I normally do. And she was the one who very much was in touch with like the concierge teams at the hotels and the ranches. She was the one who found like a guy with some horses to meet clients inside Yellowstone so they could go on a horseback ride in the park and you know, and he's just like a guy that one of the ranches recommended, but they wouldn't set it up. We had to set it up independently. Um, so yeah, she really has taken the um, the forefront on those kind of mm-hmm. experience things that really, you know, can make or break an itinerary. And she's very, very good with the phone. She's really good with, you know, getting the options together and presenting them to the clients. I think what completely, yeah. And I don't, that's not my strength. I don't enjoy doing that stuff and she does, and she's really good at it. So, you know, my overall hiring philosophy and team building philosophy is like, you should hire people to do things that you don't enjoy doing and that they're better at than you are. Like there's somebody better at all of this than I am, except for the vision. And like, that's my only job is to like have the vision and have the relationships and keep keep it moving forward. Like there's somebody, there's definitely somebody who's better at booking than I am for sure. You know? So if you're the visionary that lends itself to growing a team because you've got to have people in the day-to-day operations roles, if you are going to have the visionary role. So you've, you've talked to me a little bit about your, your ideas of growing a team in the future. When you see that team, do you see it as Kate Sullivan will always be the face of anthology travel and you have a lot of concierge and assistant like team members who are supporting you? Or do you see it as I'm going to have a team of five, seven, 10 other advisors and we are all together, the anthology travel team? What are you envisioning? I think a hybrid of those two things, right? Like I think in its fullest expression, if you know, like if you're going to talk about like a five-year plan, yeah, I would love to have a team of other advisors working with me, particularly people working on destinations that I don't personally have expertise in. You know, I personally mm-hmm. find it kind of exhausting to have to be learning about destinations that I just don't really know and understand that well. And I don't think it's I don't think it's the best option for my clients to have me, a person who is unfamiliar with, say, Indonesia, planning a Bali trip versus someone who's been to Bali, you know, has good supplier relationships, you know, just has a deeper understanding of that destination. So I would love to have, yeah, a team of people who are working on different destinations and supporting both my clients and their own clientele. But then I sort of in parallel or underneath that wanted to a, like actual support team of people doing concierge stuff, doing operations stuff, preparing Travify, doing the details, calling and confirming things, following up on commissions, like reconciling commissions to see what's outstanding, doing marketing, mm-hmm. like you know, I think if in the fullest sense of what this could be, you need, you really need both things. Just really expands your bandwidth, right? Like who has time to be, yeah, so great. Right. So when you envision building a team of other travel advisors to support the destination expertise that you don't currently have and aren't necessarily interested in building, is this something that you are ready to begin going down that path and you just 
don't know exactly how to approach it, like there's some uncertainty or grayness that is holding you back? Or do you see that vision in the future, but you're just not ready to execute it yet? No, I think I'm, I, that's a hard question. So I think that I am ready to execute on it, but I'm one, a little unsure about the timing of something like that, just because of where we are with COVID. I had a like pretty nice pipeline starting to come together in July, but a lot of that business has pulled back a little bit as people are, you know, a little more hesitant because of the Delta variant. But I do think that that is a thing with a finite end. And like, once we get through that, you know, I think it's so interesting how many people are trying to enter the industry now. A year ago, I would never have thought this. I would have thought that this would scare people away. But there is like a barrage of new advisors headed into the industry. And that's so interesting. Because <laughs> it's been such a hard year. It's <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. But the quandary is this. Well, but they didn't experience that hard year. If they're just entering now, they were just kind of on the outside looking in. I'm like, oh, that must be hard. But you still think they would be like, ooh, I wouldn't want to have that job. But for some reason, they do. But here's the dilemma. To get in with a, say, a luxury host agency or an agency like Anthology Travel or even with an experienced travel agency owner of any kind... We don't have the time. We don't have the time or the bandwidth to take them on and train them. It's too much investment when we are getting slammed with inquiries. And then, of course, do we even have the emotional bandwidth after everything that's happened? So a lot of them are ending up either with an MLM because they don't know any better and it's easy to get into or just a host agency that will just kind of take anyone and maybe they're not really getting too much training in the process. Maybe they have access to a lot of things, but not really any focus. So we're just seeing like this kind of a train wreck coming, right? Because we have people who don't know anything hanging their shingle and they're out there booking travel during what I think we can all agree is the most challenging time the industry has ever seen. Well, and I think what's interesting is what you've described is so, it's such a catch 22, right? So Corrine, you and I already have a team of advisors underneath us. I won't speak for you, but I currently cannot take anyone else on my team, even if I want to grow my team, because I don't have the bandwidth to handle it. I'm not set up for that. So there are reasons that you and I are kind of not looking to grow our team right now, but that's probably completely different from Kate, who's like, I also want to grow my team, but I'm not getting started for XYZ reasons. So I'm curious to know, Kareen, are you looking to grow your team now? And if not, like what's kind of putting that hesitation up front for you? Well, we're definitely not actively looking. We are actually onboarding someone right now, but it's exactly that, just the time, the space, the energy that it would take to train someone from scratch is a lot. In general, over the 10 years that we have been in business, everyone we've taken on, we weren't looking. They came to us, and and I mentioned on your podcast how I really try to scare the hell out of them. Uh, there's like a gate you have to get through where, <laughs> where I make it very scary. Then if you still want to talk, then we talk more. So definitely more people approach us than we entertain, mm-hmm. but we have never sought out more advisors. They come and then we decide if it's a good fit or not. And if it's not, I just refer them to, depending on what they want to sell, whatever host agency I think Mm -hmm. might be a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. And I love having advisors join my team, but the six to 10 to 12 months that it really takes 
to not just talk about trip planning, but to also get all of the the foundational nuances underneath them to support them because I'm not filtering business to them. They, I am supporting them as they build their own business. And so maybe that's a model that I need to reconsider, but it's that first year is so, so hard that I'm not like mentally in that space right now to like take that on again, because I've already done it three times. And it's just like, oh, something, something's got to change for me to kind of dive into that again. But I'm curious to know from your perspective, Kate, as you haven't brought on anyone yet, what's, what's your hesitation? Do you have questions? Does it feel like it's kind of a situation that there's a lot of unknowns or uncertainty or what's holding you back from bringing on your first, you know, advisor to your team? Sure. So it's a couple of things. Um, one is structural, which is that I like to have a system in place for things. And I don't even feel like Alexander and I have a great system in place at the moment. So to bring someone else in and to be onboarding them without that in place, like I fully admit, I have apologized to Alexander for this. Like I brought her on and there were no standard operating procedures. Like I was using ClickUp, but ClickUp is actually very complex and turns out to be a little more than I need. Like, you know, so a lot of it is just over email, but that works okay when it's a bilateral communication. But as soon as you add a third person in, it becomes really unwieldy. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'm so wedded to email and it's just so much the way that I operate, the way that my brain works, you know, that some of it's literally just like, how would it work on a day-to-day level in terms of communicating with each other, making sure that we're all on the same page about what needs to be done for each client, like how would they know which suppliers to talk to or what are the best hotels for each region, you know, whatever, like, like there's a lot of different things. And I feel like some of that is stuff that we could build in advance and make it, you know, and kind of like set it up for success before bringing people in. And maybe that's just a structure that is in a form that I'm not familiar with yet, like Trello or something. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, this is just like a, I don't call it a mindset thing, but this is just a thing where like, I'm so independent and I so like to be in control that I don't really understand what's in it for someone else to be a sub agent for me. Oh, does that make sense? I think we can speak to that. There's a lot in it for a sub agent to join your team. First and foremost, the, just the mentorship, having the guidance of someone who's already been in the industry for years and who has a vision for their business, their brand, who they work with, why they work with them, how you make decisions, having access to you on a daily basis and having the opportunity to work with you side by side on new client inquiries because everything is so gray and it's never black and white. So if you just tell someone, this is how I make decisions, that'll never work. It's that side-by-side experience of saying, oh, for this client, you chose this hotel in Italy, you know, in, in Rome, but for this client, you chose that hotel in Rome. Like this isn't consistent. How are you making your decisions? What's your thought process? That is like invaluable, invaluable because if you just join the industry as an independent advisor and you're not a sub agent, you don't have access to anyone like that. Not that intimately. No. And that really is the biggest thing. And just a sense of team and just not being out there on your own. You don't know anything yet. So I guess why, what's the argument? What's the argument for someone coming to work under me as a sub agent rather than just going to a good host agency? Host agencies won't provide that close, I can call you at any time and just ask you any question. Okay. When I was getting started, every single host agency made it very clear to me, 
We are here to connect you with suppliers. We are here to provide webinars and educational resources. We are not here to text and to call randomly to ask random questions to support your client design. Like, absolutely not. And though you can go into any number of Facebook groups and ask questions, the point of view that those answers are coming from is all over the place. And you don't know which one of those advisors shares the same values or priorities that you do. Or even has a similar so, clientele request. Yeah. Or like- I mean, it's just totally bonkers. So for instance, Journeys has our own private Facebook group. Usually they run it by us before they'll ever put it on one of the more public ones. Number one, because they don't want to get ripped to shreds by wild dogs. <laughs> um, and they want to make sure they're qualifying the question properly. But also it just feels so much more comfortable. They know they can ask us anything. And then we're all pitching in. Everyone gets to see the question. Everyone gets to see the answer. We know each other well. That information is coming in from, for us, vetted sources. Mm -hmm. And then if, you know, sometimes I'll say, you should go put that on the main TPI page. Mm -hmm. You've you've worded it perfectly. Don't be afraid. Go ask because I'm not sure. Whatever it is. But that guidance that is much more intimate you can't, you can't put a price on that. I think also gaining access to your book of business is a tremendous benefit to working with you as a subagent. If you are starting as a new independent advisor and you are starting from square one and trying to solicit new business and identify your ideal client, figuring out where they are and getting in front of them and da 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 da, da all the things that it takes if they join your team, I don't know how you're envisioning it. So some principal advisors filter through clients. So they have an overabundance of new inquiries and they are kind of spreading them out among the advisors on their team. So that's one model. Mine is a little bit different in that I'm not sending clients through because I don't have an insane number of inquiries that I can't handle. I'm providing more of the ongoing high touch, always available mentorship. So they're soliciting their own clients and then I'm supporting the questions that they have to work with those clients. So have you thought about how you would handle new client inquiries with a potential advisor joining your team? You mean inquiries from clients that aren't existing clients? Yeah. So if you got a brand new inquiry from your website or, you know, from Mm -hmm. wherever, and it's not an existing client, do you feel that you would have uh, the volume of business that you're comfortable with and you would pass that on? Or do you feel you would keep that for yourself and the new advisor would be responsible for soliciting their own book of business? I think it would depend on what the request was for and whether the advisor had a specific, you know, area of expertise that I'm not super strong in. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done a lot of Caribbean this year, and that's just not an area that I'm personally very familiar with. I have not traveled anywhere in the Caribbean. I've been to the club met in DR twice for a conference, and that's it, which I don't think is terribly representative of the product there. (laughs) And, you know, I know Mexico really well, but I just don't know the Caribbean that well, you know, so that's something I definitely would be looking to offload. But a lot of it is going to come back to trust, right? Like my brand is really well developed. I've spent a lot of time developing it. And I'm not going to bring somebody on board who I think is going to be damaging to the brand. And that's another plus side for signing with you over a host, especially if you allow them to use your brand, because you don't necessarily have to. All of our team is under our brand, Whitney's, that's not the case. So that's a choice you can make. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to grow the anthology team, which I get the sense that that's Mm -hmm. really what you're shooting Mm -hmm. for, the time, energy, and resources that they will save on building a brand 
is a tremendous benefit for them. Can't put a price on it. And not everybody is interested in building their own brand. Like you're a visionary. I I also had a vision for Undiscovered Sunsets. There was no way I was going to push that to the side to join someone else's brand because I was just so passionate about that. And I feel like you're the same with Mm -hmm. anthology. Not everyone feels that way. Not everyone is so interested in having a brand of their own. My struggles, I feel like I have three advisors on my team and I'm mentoring them. They have their own brands. It's it's a it's a unique structure and it works for us. But what I've really learned is that even when I'm available at a moment's notice to answer their questions, and even when we have our bi-weekly calls where we're just like, okay, what is everyone working on right now? Who what do you need assistance with? You know, here's a new lead. I'm I'm busy this week. Do you want to take it? Like we have this type of relationship that's great. What I believe is missing and what I will do with any future advisors who join my team is rather than have them as like an extension of me, but building their own business, I will have them come work alongside me as an assistant slash junior travel designer, because so many questions that my advisors have for me, it would be easier if they just sat next to me and watched how I worked rather than me trying to describe and answer all of these hypothetical situations that they're asking of like, Mm -hmm. well, what if the client does this? Or what if they want this? It would actually be more beneficial to just say, why don't we like you start your business or why don't we pause you starting your business for a couple months and I'll pay you an hourly rate. So we're not worried about commission splitting. We're not worrying about sharing clients, but just come work next to me. And I feel like that might actually be more beneficial for that new advisor Mm -hmm. to get started. And it will also alleviate a lot of the ongoing ad hoc questions that I'm getting that kind of hijack my day sometimes Mm -hmm. because they will start to see just how I'm working. And so they will learn not only from asking questions, but also just from observation. So what does that look like in a digital world? I think in a digital world, that means that I receive a new client inquiry and a discovery call is scheduled and that junior designer is attending the discovery call. That junior designer is given some tasks of, okay, I have a discovery call in in 48 hours. This is the request. Let's go look. What does airfare look like? What type of hotels do I think I want to share with them? What does pricing look like? So we can kind of start talking about a ballpark you know, budget during that discovery call. And I have them do some of that research that I'm normally doing. So go conduct that research, come back, tell me what you find. Okay. Attend the discovery call with me and, but be quiet, just observe, take notes. After the discovery call, we're going to discuss what you took from that and what questions do you have and how might've you done that a little bit differently. Okay. Now they paid the research and design fee and we're going to start putting together the proposal. Here are 10 hotels, three in Rome, three in Florence, three in Venice. I need you to go quote, quote them for these dates go quote them, tell me what you come back with. Then, okay, now we're putting together the Travify proposal. In addition to the hotels, I need um, details on this restaurant. I need these top things to see and do in Venice. You know, maybe I know some of the answers Mm -hmm. because I know these destinations really well, but maybe I would just throw them a softball and be like, what are the coolest things we should be doing in Venice? What are some privately guided tours that we should be considering and seeing what they trying to hone in their research skills and like see what they can go out and find. And then they would be probably CC'd in all communication with that client so that they, but never responding, never talking with the client, but just observing, just seeing how I handle different situations. And then when it comes to confirming, I don't know that I'll, it it would probably take a little bit of time to work them up to saying, here's the credit card details, go confirm the hotel reservations. But that's what we would eventually be working up to Mm -hmm. so that 
they are they are an assistant to me. Mm-hmm. They are doing research for me. They are quoting hotels for me. This is providing a benefit to me, but they are also learning because they're not having to make all the decisions. They're just executing for me, but they're right there next to me to be like, well, why did you choose these three hotels mm-hmm. in Rome? And then we can talk about it, right? Exactly. And then as this goes on for a period of time, they will feel more and more confident to then solicit their own business. And when business does come to them, they know how to handle it. Mm-hmm because they've been doing it next to me this whole time. So it's I see it as like a mutually beneficial setup that they're providing this type of assistant work for me, but they're learning mm-hmm. next to me. And by next to, we mean virtually. virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom, yeah. Google yeah. Meet, Slack, whatever. Slack, Trello. Yeah. 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 I'm very literal. Yeah. So yeah. Is- <laughs> What's your reaction to that type of a setup? That makes sense to me. I mean, in my prior career, whenever I was training junior paralegals, I would literally make them sit in a, it was an unused partner's office that we had some tables set up in. And like, I would literally make them sit there instead of in their office, both so that we could have a pretty constant flow of communication, but also so that they could watch me interact with attorneys or interact with printing companies or interact with other vendors that we used. And so I could model yeah, that kind of Just behavior. being in the room yeah. and observing. Yeah. And listening. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I guess I'm kind of curious, like, how does the money work? In my mind, I'm thinking soliciting your own business as a brand new travel advisor and earning those first commissions, it's it's hard at the very beginning and it just takes time and you probably are not going to see a commission within, you know, it's probably going to take six months or so. So I see it as I need an assistant anyways. So why don't you just be my assistant? I will pay you an hourly rate as I would an assistant. And so you are earning a little bit of money before those commissions start coming in. But the the rate that I'm paying you is more of that mentorship, internship type of rate, as opposed to what I go see on Upwork, where these are very, very experienced VAs that are charging $40, $50 an hour. Mm-hmm. You probably don't have the experience or the expertise to earn that hourly rate because I am also teaching you and mentoring you, but there should be an hourly rate at some point to cover the time that you're investing. And so there's kind of a, again, there's the mutually beneficial relationship of I'm gaining that assistant that I need and they're gaining some income in those first few months that can be so hard as a travel advisor before you start earning those commissions. Mm-hmm. Karine, what are your thoughts on all of this? Because this is a totally, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's new that no one's ever done it before, but I know that neither you nor I have approached it this way before. But I feel like this is what will be my next move. If I bring someone onto my team, I'll be like, yep, you can join my team. You're going you're gonna to be my junior travel designer for the first three or four months or however long we figure out that makes sense. And in that time, I'm going to pay you an hourly rate and you're going to learn next to me. So I have also been thinking about this for a very long time and also just constantly like what I need is a junior travel advisor. The challenge with that is that, you know, that's a temporary situation, right? Eventually they're going to grow up and we have to send them out into the world, Yes, but hopefully they're on your team. So it's still of benefit to you to have them on the team. But I really feel strongly that there is probably no better way to onboard someone onto your team. Even say you have someone with a little bit of experience, they don't know your way. So I almost feel like doing it this way with someone who's pretty brand new and fresh in the long run is going to be better than bringing on someone who's maybe been doing it a little while and they realize they want to be on a team, but they already are set in their ways and now I have to break them. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and get them on board with the way I do things. I just feel like if this had been the path for each one of our advisors who are all doing great and killing it, we would have launched them into success a lot sooner. Yep. They would have reached a decent income a lot sooner rather than just kind of figuring it out. Our accessibility for question asking, which supplier should I use? What do you recommend for this? What do you recommend for that? I'm sure did absolutely speed up their success, but it could have been. And this would take it even one step further. Yes. Yeah. And I, I will say, Kate, from my experience, so I have one advisor who's representing Undiscovered Sunsets and I have another advisor who joined, started with my brand and then ultimately left because it like wasn't a good fit. And so your vision for anthology travel is really, really important. And I completely understand that anyone who comes onto your team, they need to not just be your team, but they need to speak like you speak with suppliers and with clients. They need to represent anthology travel. And what I learned from my experience doing it the wrong way is telling someone what words to use and what words not to use. Telling someone how to reach out to suppliers or how to respond to a client is completely different than them sitting next to me and hearing me make the phone call mm -hmm. or attending, being on the discovery call together with clients. Just like you said, you set up that legal room so that they're just in the room listening and observing. I feel like, again, in the future, if I have anyone who's going to represent Undiscovered Sunsets, which I feel very hesitant to like release because it is such a big you know, vision of mine and a big project and it's so important to me that the best way to really learn how to speak the language of anthology travel or of undiscovered sunsets is to model it and is to be the leader and to show it by having someone next to you listening, as opposed to just telling them, well, this is what you should say. And this is what you shouldn't say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's kind of the reactive way. Mm -hmm. What we're pitching here is the proactive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think modeling is really important. I mean, I think so one, one thing just communication wise, it was really hard for me joining this industry from the legal industry at the law firm. If I needed someone, I would literally just like, email the copy shop or whoever it was and be like, Hey, we need this by 5 PM. Thanks. Bye. Like, <laughs> like that. And it was fine. Nobody cared. That was totally fine. You know, sometimes I would like butter it up a little bit if it was something I like felt was an unreasonable request and we really needed a turnaround quick, but you know, it took me a couple of months at least to sort of pick on that just kind of pattern that we have in the industry where it's like, Hey, so-and-so I hope you're doing really well. I hope you're recovering from virtuoso travel week. How are things going? Like, yes, I've got this yes. thing. That's, and that's so important. The favor in the world. Could you please make sure that there is water in their room? You know, yep. you know, like yes. that just kind of language is really different. Yeah. Um, so Corrine brought up a really good point about the transition of if you bring on a junior travel advisor, that the goal is that eventually they will fly off and we will have to release them into the world. So then I think- But that's true of anyone. That's true of any position. Yes. Right? Yes. Like you have to be prepared for that always. Yes. And But I think that if someone is looking to grow their team- however they decide to approach it. I think that transition is a really important thing to consider. So when they do transition, do they become a subagent of yours? And if they do become a subagent, how does that pay mm -hmm. work? Are What are the commission splits? Are you sharing clients with them? If they are working side by side with you on your client, are you sharing that commission? That's or are what they I don't understand. So tell us, tell us your questions. I mean, what exactly, tell us your exact questions. I don't know that we have answers, but we can share our Oh, that's Okay. Um, well, there's a thousand answers. Corinne, you have your own IATA, right? No, you're hosted. Okay, so you're both hosted. So how does that work with your host agency bringing someone on as a sub agent? For me, the host agency pays all commissions, me and my entire team to me at my split. And then I Same. forward on the transfer to each advisor at their split. Okay. 
Right. So if you have a split, in my case, it's pretty simple because they have a 100% plan and that's what we're on. So the math gets more complicated if you have a split with your host mm-hmm. and then you have to make a split. Of that's the what I meant. Yeah. But you will get paid everything. And then, yeah. So there's a $100 commission. My sub agent's split is with the total. Their split is not a split of my split. So if they bring in $100 oh. and if their split is 70%, then they keep 70%. But if my split is 90%, I keep that 20% difference. It's not a split of a split. Does that make sense? They get 70, I get 20. My host agency gets 10. That makes more sense. Yes. That makes a lot more sense. The math on the back end is a little more complicated, but for the sub agent, that's a lot more clear. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got a system with a spreadsheet that just does the math for me. (laughs) So it's so as opposed to be it being a split of a split, let's say they bring in a hundred, my split is ninety, and then their split is seventy, they don't get seventy percent of ninety, they get seventy percent of a hundred. Why? Then you're eating the split that your host is taking. I mean, I don't consider eating it because I never see it. Well, it's figured into your math. Yeah, it's a cost that you're paying. You're absorbing. I mean, I just know that sub agent. Yes, and my sub agents also enabled me to be at a higher split than I would be as an individual. Because the host agency looks at our revenue as a whole, right. as opposed to each of us individually. So let's say, for example, as an individual advisor, I might only be at 80%, but together with my team of four of us, I'm at 90%. Okay. So, and again, it's a good thought. Like there's no, there's no like rhyme or reason. I, I guess I don't have to do that. Uh, the math feels more complicated for me to say, well, I only get 90. So instead of getting 70% of 100, you get 70% of 90. Well, for the advisor, if they're looking at the gross commission, then it's much easier for them to calculate that percentage of the whole commission. But then you've got to determine that split amount based on the idea that you're absorbing mm-hmm. the initial split. So you have to come up with the right number to to ride that balance. Mm-hmm. And Karina and I have talked a lot about where do your sub agents start on those commission yes. splits, right? So the commission splits that I have set up for my sub agents does not match the commission splits that my host agency sets up if they were signed up as individuals. Mine actually starts lower at the very beginning because it is very time intensive to support a sub agent, but they scale up quicker. Because I personally thought that the splits that my host agency had set up were the jumps are big, like they're really Mm -hmm. big. And so when I was ramping up in my first few years, it was really hard to like reach that next step to get up to that next commission split. And I was like, "Mm, I'm going to make it a little easier for my agents to to feel Mm -hmm. motivated to have something to work for, work toward and to feel that the goals were realistic. So that's another thing is that your splits can match your host agencies, but they don't have to. And also I mentioned on Whitney's podcast, how my business partner and I start very high. We really shouldn't, but it's because of the way that we were treated when we worked for someone else, we had a little PTSD. And so we don't leave enough room for growth in my opinion, but that's just kind of where we started and where we've stayed. I think that in most cases, a brand new advisor getting hands-on help is usually going to start at the 50-50 mark and work up from there. Yeah. Depending on volume. Okay. Mm-hmm. We start way above that. It's <laughs> a lot of numbers. Yeah. Mine start at 50 and then they increase pretty quickly. People are so willing to share their commission tiers. And I think if you go into a Facebook group or reach out to your network or like in the 
think tank, people will share with you what their tier looks like and you will find some mixture of that that feels right to you. Yeah. And I, I think that while there are definitely differences, the, they're not that great of differences because there are only so many percentage points between 50 right. and 100. Like there are only so many ways to slice this right. cake. So let's just like hypothetically say, let's say hypothetically mm-hmm. I'm at an 80-20 split. Okay. But if I brought in, if a new person was coming into my host agency directly, they might be at a 60-40 split. These are not the real numbers. Mm-hmm. I could bring them in at that 60-40 split and just keep the delta of the 20% between the 60, 80, and 100. That's kind of how you guys are doing it. You could. It could also be an option that you bring them in at 50 because they are going to have access to you like they would never have access if they just joined the host agency directly. I mean, my agency doesn't really take people with that experience. And- right. So not only are you providing that hands-on support, but you're also enabling them to join a host agency that they wouldn't be able to join themselves. So yeah. I think it's, it's appropriate and understandable if they started at 50. Mm-hmm. But then- you decide how quickly they move up. And you want to leave room to grow, as I mm-hmm. mentioned. And then also what we need to set in, especially with access to Virtuoso, if that's the direction an advisor is going, being able to join mm-hmm. your team will really mm-hmm. get them where they want to be much faster. So I think what I would do in addition to all of this with the commission splits, like if somebody knew they wanted to solicit their own business, grow their own book of business and their own clientele, represent Undiscovered Sunsets, I think I would do all of the above of what we've talked about. Of like, okay, you start at 50-50, you are all, you're not going to earn any commissions for the first few months because it's going to take a while. You're also, I would also like you to work next to me for an hourly rate as an assistant, like all of the above. I don't think it has to be either mm-hmm. or. And so then that's where the transition comes is like, for those first few months that feel like, I don't even know how to spend my time. I don't even know how to get my first clients. Okay. I I made a booking, but I'm not going to earn a commission for six months. What am I doing with all of this time? You're working right next to me. And then because you're on my team and because we're working together, I can see when new clients are coming in and I can support you. And then we can slowly transition you from more, um, hourly work and less client work to less hourly work and more client work to the point where you're no longer supporting me on an hourly basis as an assistant. You are solely supporting your own clientele. And then that would give me the opening to bring on another advisor onto my team Mm -hmm. and say, okay, you're going to start as my assistant. And it just kind of becomes like this track or this pathway of how I grow my team, but in a very slow, sustainable way. And in a way that it's a mutually beneficial relationship from day one. They're supporting me as an assistant. I'm supporting their learning journey. And then they're also going to start supporting one another. Yeah. So the more of a team you have, the more they're learning from each other, getting feedback from each other. And then it actually becomes very cohesive and nobody wants to leave because you have this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think bringing on that first one, like it's going to be bumpy and it's going to be hard. And you're going to be like, I don't have the SOPs. I got to like sit down and make this. I don't know how to train them to do what I need them to do. I mean, it would be cumbersome to be like, okay, I need you to go quote these nine hotels, but we're going to sit here for the next 30 minutes. And I'm going to show you how you properly quote a hotel and what you're looking for and which rate I actually Mm -hmm. need. And, you know, like you're going to have to walk them through that. What I would do is with that first person that you do it with, I would record my screen and my talking. So that then for the next advisor, just go watch this video and then come back to me in 10 minutes and, and quote the hotels, you know? So like the first one is always the hardest, but that's when you yeah. set up your systems. That's when you record your screen. That's when you do all the things. And then every subsequent advisor who comes in, it just gets easier and easier. I record my screen every time I'm doing something that I think the team may want to know how to do. 
if I'm using a supplier booking engine they don't really like or any kind of a tool, anything, I will record the screen. And there's a whole library of screen recordings that they all have access to. And I also post them on our private Facebook group. And so. people find all that video content useful. Like I just hate absorbing video. It's usually very short snippets. So it's totally digestible. It's just like, here's how I did this. And it's like two minutes long maximum. And they're like, oh, okay. Or if somebody's like, hey, I don't know how to you know, search for this on this platform. It's like, boom, here's a video. It's two minutes long oh. and it's all you need. I want a written manual. You want a written manual? <laughs> I don't want a video. I want to be able to like say, go read this. Like I've given you all this information. Like So that I think that's just personal style. And I think as you bring advisors onto your team, that's a really important thing to talk about is how do you best mm-hmm. receive information? How do you learn? And you could say, I'm only set up with written manuals. Karina and I could say, we're only set up with video. Or now that you're my third or fourth advisor, I, I have both now. And so however okay. you learn best, it's there for you. Do you have any, any other lingering questions before we wrap up? Anything big that kind of weighs on you when you're considering adding an advisor to the team? No, I mean, I think my only outstanding question is then um, how to very clearly kind of articulate and delineate Alexandra's role and whatever this kind of detail VA kind of person versus what an assistant would be doing. But that I think is just the thing that I need to kind of define for myself in terms of what are they doing and how would that support that sub agent, you know, so they're not, I want clarity in terms of who's responsible for what. Mm -hmm. You don't want them asking or trying to use that Alexandra or this other assistant's time on things that are not appropriate. Is that what you mean? Like they, they are clear on what those roles are and how they can use them or not. Yeah. Like what are their roles? And just to make sure that there isn't any fuzziness about like, you know, I feel like a lot of what I have Alexandra doing is kind of quasi travel designer work and it's working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, bringing someone else in. Those are things they need to learn as well. So yeah. if, if you were able to involve her in the job shadowing aspect of it, right. that would be yeah. less work for you again. Yeah. And they would be learning a lot of valuable skills. They they could support Alexandra the way that they support you. So if Alexandra is saying, I need to find someone to bring horses into the middle of this national park to meet the guy, to meet my clients can you go see what you can find? Or instead of having Alexandra call all of the hotels and transfer companies and everything a couple days before your clients arrive, that's assistant work. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. It sounds like Alexandra is really, really good when she's in front of the client. And so I think that would be a very clear line that this junior travel designer VA person is never in direct contact with the client. And Alexandra's always in, and then maybe their research efforts could support Alexandra and could support you. Okay. It could also be a line where like the assistant is always focused on the pre-travel design work of like, we're putting together a proposal and their research is supporting your efforts there. Whereas Alexandra is more doing the concierge of Mm -hmm. our clients are getting ready to leave next week or they're on the road and they need these things. And so that's Alexandra's territory. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. That's a really good little um, circle of support there. I really like the sound of that. And now I'm like, "Hmm." (laughs) I'm going to go create that for myself. I need an Alexandra. You can't have her. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Well, this morning I I have Tracy and I'm like, go find me a list of vegan restaurants in Puerto Vallarta. You know, those Exactly. I, I feel like this yes. junior travel designer really is starts out as a research assistant. Okay. Yes. Yes. We're teaching them to be professional researchers, so that's where it starts. That's so much of what I need because 
Sometimes when clients ask me for something, it takes way too long for me to get back to them. Not because what they've asked me for is difficult, but it's because I have so many things that it's like, look into that, research Mm -hmm. this, find the answer to that. If I had an assistant that I could just give them those little research bullet points of like, go tell me what you can find, my response time to clients would increase exponentially. And I think that right now I don't feel like I have an overflowing book of business, like new inquiries Mm -hmm. coming in. But I think that if I had that quicker feedback and I could do those things faster, I think that I would have room for Mm -hmm. more business coming in. And I would therefore have more business to filter down to advisors. I think it's like all the cycle that works together. Yeah. I just want to be closing sales. I don't want to do the other stuff. Like, like, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You need a research assistant. Uh, Yeah. It's a research assistant slash like an operations yeah. kind of back-end yeah. manager person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, sorry, Karine, this has not been a mini bar. Like a three <laughs> this is a full bar. Yeah. We have a full bar <laughs> this week. We're going to rework a few things here, but I really want to thank you both so much for joining me. I feel like a lot of advisors are going to identify with what we're talking about here. I hope that hearing it from other advisors who are dealing with it will be helpful to them. So thank you so very much. Thank, thank you. you. So the mini bar wasn't so mini today, but I feel like it was a really great conversation. And as promised, I'm not going to let you leave without the news. It's time for Access Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Uniworld River Cruises will require vaccination for all guests. Travel Age West reports that on August 15th, Norwegian Gems set sail from the company's home port in Miami, the third of the company's 17 ships to set sail since the return of cruising and marking the first voyage from Florida. Another one from them says that Hyatt Hotels Corporation has acquired Apple Leisure Group, doubling its global footprint with the addition of AM Resorts brands such as Secrets, Dreams, Breathless, Zoetry, and Alua Hotels and Resorts. A headline for Travel Weekly says, Summer meltdown cost Spirit Airlines $50 million in lost revenue. Spirit Airlines lost approximately $50 million in revenue as a result of the operational meltdown that caused the carrier to cancel more than 2,800 flights between July 30th and August 9th. And another headline from them says, Travel agency air sales backslide due to COVID's Delta variant. For the week that ended August 15th, the number of air tickets sold by U.S. travel agencies was down 41.1% compared with 2019, the worst result since the week that ended May 16th. Travel Pulse reports that TSA confirmed it will extend the current U.S. federal mask mandate, which applies in air travel and other public transportation situations, through January 18th, 2022. They also report that a new study published by The Vacationer expects this Labor Day weekend to have the highest rates of travel this year so far, exceeding the number of travelers who took advantage of the 4th of July weekend to travel. Recommend Magazine says that Hilton has added to its all-inclusive portfolio with the opening of the new Hilton Vallarta Riviera All-Inclusive Resort. According to Business Insider Mexico, at least six Royal Caribbean passengers were left on the dock in Seattle, Washington, because they did not receive the COVID-19 vaccine. The barred passengers on the ovation of the sea's liner to Alaska thought they only needed to show a negative COVID test from within 72 hours. And as usual, we'll end with some good news from afar, the headline says, Overpackers rejoice. Away now makes expandable hard shell luggage. The polycarbonate flux suitcases unzip to give travelers up to 2.25 inches of extra packing space. And that's it for excess baggage. As a successful travel advisor, you have the expertise, the drive, and the leadership skills to grow your team and to build your legacy. 
You've established yourself as a top advisor in the industry. You have a growing list of clients who trust you with all of their travels and who refer you on a regular basis. You are ready to grow your team, but as a business owner, seeing the financial benefit of growing your team is a long game. One of the downsides to bringing on a new advisor to your team is that we, as experienced advisors, have to give, give, give for many months. And the return on that investment doesn't come for months or maybe years later. The conversation you just heard is one that we've been having between the two of us for a while now. The way that we've onboarded advisors to our teams in the past will no longer work. It's slow, it's inefficient, and we don't have the bandwidth. We've had two types of people reaching out to us. Brand new advisors who are lost in those first few months and experienced advisors who want to grow their teams, but they don't have the time, energy, or resources to train someone with square one. Together, we have created a solution that enables experienced advisors to bring on new advisors within a structure that is mutually beneficial to both. Presenting the Masters in Travel Academy and Apprenticeship Program. Imagine onboarding a new advisor who already understands how the systems we use on a day-to-day basis work. Think CRMs, itinerary builders, project management systems, all of them. Imagine a new advisor who knows how important our supplier relationships are and has learned proper etiquette. Imagine welcoming an advisor who has completed eight weeks of intense coursework to learn the foundations of the travel industry from honing their research skills to protecting clients and you. They've already learned how to design multiple types of trips and are ready to prepare proposals for you. We'll set you up for success to grow your team when you join as a mentor for the Masters in Travel Academy and Apprenticeship Program. We are currently looking for experienced advisors who are passionate about mentoring, sharing their knowledge and expertise, and who are eager to grow their team. If you have a passion for mentoring, but don't want to add to your team, we're looking for you too. Some of our students will want to build their own brand. And we're looking for individuals who are interested to begin their journey as a travel advisor with a clear roadmap. They want to skip the trial and error and maximize the ROI in their first investments. They want to build a profitable business faster. If you are looking to grow your team, or if you know someone who is interested to become a travel advisor, please go to beamasterintravel.com to learn more and to express interest in becoming a mentor. We are launching our inaugural session in a few short weeks, so please help us spread the word. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I miss Teresa. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. See you next week. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.